the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we turn our attention to the scriptures, let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit, O God, and prepare our hearts to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A a reading from the book of Ecclesiastes, listen for God's word to you. There's a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens. A time for giving birth and a time for dying. A time for planning and a time for uprooting what was planted, a time for killing and a time for healing, a time for tearing down and a time for building up, a time for crying and a time for laughing, a time for mourning and a time for dancing, a time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones, a time for embracing and a time for avoiding embraces. A time for searching and a time for losing, a time for keeping and a time for throwing away. A time for tearing and a time for repairing. A time for keeping silent and a time for speaking. A time for loving and a time for hating. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from all their hard work? I have observed the task that God has given human beings. God has made everything fitting in its time, but has also placed eternity in their hearts without enabling them to recover what God has done from beginning to end. I know there's nothing better for them but to enjoy themselves and do what's good while they live. Moreover, this is a gift of God that all people should eat, drink, and enjoy the results of their hard works. The words of Heath, let the, the teacher of the assembly, thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, at the crossroads, wisdom calls. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Therefore I say to you, Don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. There is more to life than food and more to the body than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither plant nor harvest. They have no silo or barn, yet God feeds them. You are worth so much more than birds. Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? If you can't do such a small thing, why worry about the rest? Notice 
how the lilies grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon, in all his splendor, wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow, it's thrown into the furnace, how much more will God do for you, you people of weak faith? Don't chase after what you will eat and what you will drink. Stop worrying. All the nations of the world long for these things. Your father knows that you need them. Instead, desire God's kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. The word of the Lord. You really did bring this on yourself then. My friend and mentor, Kara, was shocked when she heard these words, her husband's exact words, coming from a lab-coded, bespectacled medical professional. Somehow they sounded different in the glaring light of the doctor's office than they had in her living room. So, the doctor continued, this is my prescription, and I mean it. Do not be productive. Stop. For the next few days, if it doesn't absolutely have to be done, then don't do it. Do nothing. Do you hear me? Order takeout. Skip cleaning the house. Whatever it is, let it go. This has gone on far too long. You see, Kara had been sick for 12 days. 12 days. When I first got sick, she said, I dutifully plunked the kids in front of the TV with fistfuls of granola bars and thermoses of water. I called in sick and tucked myself into bed to shiver under quilts for the next eight hours. That was my sick day. And when the day was done, I basically resumed normal life. Except I was still sick and exhausted. So I wasn't present with my children, my husband, my work, myself. I wandered around in a stuffy, achy fog for a week and finally dragged myself into the doctor to score some antibiotics to kick this thing, only to be told that it was a nasty virus, that it would need to work its own way out. If you're not better by the end of the week, come back. I was back. Hot liquids and naps, the doctor announced, and stop being productive. Maybe you've been in that place before. When you're told to rest, the mental messages come hard and fast. There is so much that needs to get done. I'll get behind. I'll let them down. I'll seem weak. I'm not really 
that sick or that stressed, but chronic busyness is making us sick. Athlete, trainer, and fitness writer Jonathan Angelili writes, from a young age, we're bombarded with the message that to be successful, we must work overtime, sacrifice our health, friends, even happiness and sanity to achieve what we want. Dr. Meyer Friedman, the doctor who first identified the type A personality trait, calls this Western disease the hurry sickness. We never say things like, I bet I can experience kidney failure before you. But that's exactly how many of us behave. Exhaustion, says Angelili, is a status symbol in our country. Take a moment to consider, when have you asked someone how they were? And they sighed, busy. When has that been you? I imagine Kohelet, the teacher whose observations make up the book of Ecclesiastes, looking around at our culture of go, 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 of do more, do better, do it faster, and laying into us with his signature phrase, perfectly pointless, or, if you prefer, Vanity of vanities. And is it not the ultimate vanity to imagine that we are indispensable, that everything will fall apart without us? Today's poetry from Ecclesiastes has echoed down through the centuries. There is a season for everything and a time for every matter under heaven. It is often read at funerals, as was the case at Jim Preston's service yesterday, a comforting reminder that God has set aside both a time to be born and a time to die. But so often we overlook the radical message of Kohelet's words. If there is a time for every matter under heaven, that means that it cannot always be go time. There is a time for work and a time for rest, a time to step up and a time to step back, a time for action and a time for reflection, a time to serve and a time to let others serve you and receive it as a gift. What do workers gain from all their hard work? Kohelet asks, not rhetorically. He really wants an answer. What do workers gain from all their hard work? If people work, 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 but do not eat, drink, and enjoy the results of their labor, then we've missed the point. Jesus picks up where Kohelet leaves off, pointing us back to creation and to the creator who composed its rhythms. Consider the ravens. Notice how the lilies grow. I noticed the lilies this summer. You probably did too. Those 
magnificent orange lilies that grow wild around Hector. As I walked my dog up Titchener Road, I noticed their loveliness and the lively creatures swarming around them. The butterflies and bees were having a field day, literally, between the lilies and the goldenrod and the Queen Anne's lace. At one point on these walks, it occurred to me, this is how God dresses the grass of the fields, even though it's alive one day and gone the next. God doesn't grow the lily in isolation, but in a network of relationships with other creatures. In other words, an ecosystem. Consider the ravens, how they depend on other creatures for food. Notice the lilies, how they thrive among the soil and insects and birds. Now look at yourself, Jesus says. If God tends to the needs of birds and flowers in this way, don't you think God does the same for you? My friend Trey often preaches these words from Jesus at weddings. Turn around, he'll say to the couple, instructing them to face the congregation. God has surrounded you both with such wonderful family and friends, and they are here today to spend time with you. Though hard times may come, these people will be with you. So look around. See all of your family and friends that you have here. You are surrounded by wisdom, caring, and love. When life gets hard, don't forget the many blessings that God has placed in your life. Call on these people. They just made a vow to support you both. Trey takes an uncommon wedding text to show the soon-to-be-married couple what God's abundance looks like. Abundance that God has already provided to you and to me. In our culture of busyness, we are caught between two falsehoods. In one ear, a breathless voice bleats, you are indispensable. Everything will fall apart if you do not keep up this pace. And in the other ear, a low voice whispers, you know that really you are dispensable. If you don't keep it up, then other people will notice and then dispose of you. Friends, these lies will drive us to our deaths. But grace upon grace, God cuts through these voices with words of truth. You belong to me. You are precious in my eyes. You have a place in my creation. You have a place in my kingdom. As Jesus says, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights 
in giving you the kingdom. Don't be afraid that everything will fall apart because God has so arranged the world that every creature has a role to play in upholding the community of care. Don't be afraid that you are dispensable because even the wild flower that blooms for only a short while serves the Creator's purposes. Don't be afraid to rest, Jesus tells us. Remember, rest was woven into the fabric of creation on the seventh day, the Sabbath day. Rest is carved into the covenant, the fourth commandment. Six days you will work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it, not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your animals, or the immigrant who is living with you. Rest reminds us that God is God and we are not. God can keep creation running for 24 hours. Thank you very much. Rest is what Jesus promises in the Gospel of Matthew. Turn your bulletins over. Look at those words from the call to worship again. Notice that Jesus does not say, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you extra energy and the strength to power through. I will give you an edge, a do-over, a bump-up. Jesus does not participate in our culture of busyness and stress. He removes us from it. Take my yoke upon you, he says. Get right next to me, as if we were two animals attached to a plow, about to pull together. Learn from me a different kind of work, the way of gentleness and humility. Walk with me and find rest for your whole being, your soul, body, and spirit. Rest isn't your typical stewardship theme, but from now until the middle of October, we will spend time thinking about it, praying for it, and living into it. We're spending time on this promise not because, well, not only because rest is what we need, but because also it is a blessing that God has already gifted us, ours to claim when we pause from our busyness. And so during the prayers of the people, we'll pause to turn to our neighbors and ask, how can I pray for you this week? If you're someone who needs time to think about what they're going to say, well, now you have a heads up. We'll pause in our days to remember those prayers or to tune into an app like Pray As You Go or to check out spiritual practices like Centering Prayer. We'll pause in worship 
to hear a story from someone about where they've seen God at work in our congregation and why they're excited to see what God will do next. We'll pause to get beside Jesus in his yoke and take on a burden that is surprisingly light, a burden that turns out to be a bundle of blessings that God gives us to celebrate and to share. And what is stewardship if not the practice of sharing God's rich blessings in our lives? So friends, take a deep breath. Learn from Kohelet's wisdom that there is a time for rest as much as there is a time from work. Learn from Jesus' way, one that leads us back to our maker, to whom we belong and through whom we belong to each other. In this wisdom and in this way, God has abundant grace to shower upon us. For this grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, giver of our days, gift of perfect love, peace and power given to us all. Amen.